we got to have some affirmation going on in the house of God. Blessed to be here this morning. Um, I'm thankful for the heart of our pastors for missions and for this church for missions. And uh, it's always exciting to hear uh, when there's an offering taken or there's something given towards ministry that's impacting the world in some remote corner or a continent somewhere that uh, the saints and the church is responding to the work of God. So uh, let's just give Jesus a hand clap of praise for our missionaries and for yourself. You know, pat yourself. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for my church. Um, We appreciate that so very, very much. And uh, Pastor had a birthday coming up here, and he's going to be the 5-0. I'm going to tell you right now, he does not look 5-0 to me. He look, he's, in pretty great, he's in pretty great shape. And I hope I'll be like that when I grow up, which is not long. So uh, I want you just, uh, if you see him, you know, hug his neck. You know, he may not like hugs, shake his hand. Uh, better yet, just hand him that green paper with the president's face on it. And I'm sure he'll be even really happier uh, if you do something like that, okay? So uh, awesome. Well, this morning, uh, I want you to go with me, if you would, to... 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 13 through 17. And uh, just that's where we're going to do the bulk of our reading. I got one little snip. If you want to just write this one down and you don't want to go there, that's okay. It'll be on the screen. I'm also going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 9, 26, a portion of that. And uh, in setting this up, uh, before I get into the actual text of reading this morning, I was actually reading about one of the famous battles in American history, the Little Bighorn. And for the American troops, it was a, an embarrassing type loss. But kind of the story behind that is an interesting, we'll take a little flip on the perspective this morning, that what had happened is in 1874 on an expedition, they had discovered gold in Sioux country in the hills. But the problem was, is that land had already been contracted to the Sioux nation. And so in an effort to try to be diplomatic, uh, President Grant during that time made a gesture of offering to buy the hills from the Sioux, which they declined, saying that it was sacred ground. They could not yield that ground, which, as we would oblige, if you can't get it by asking, you get it by taking. And I love my nation, but these were just the true things of the time. And uh, they showed up, General Custer showed up to assert uh, a little bit of sovereignty after the fact, and it was one of the most devastating defeats by an American army in the history, and to this day is still studied uh, militarily because of how the Sioux banded together to defend their sacred ground. And I just happened to think about that when thinking about this this morning. I just can't help but think in some ways that there are often sacred places in our lives that are getting stepped on. There are Precious places in our lives, things that God meant for us to have control, dominion over in our life, meant for us to have peace in our life. And somehow there's things that keep threatening that peace, threatening that wholeness in our life, in our family. Keep attacking our finances no matter what kind of job we get. It's like there's a hole in the bottom of our purse or the bottom of the bank vault somewhere. Somebody's taking it out the back door. There's something that's happening, and for the child of God, that which God says is yours, not what we think is ours, but that which God says is ours, is something that is sacred. Because if it's yours by right of a child of God this morning, 
It is something that God himself has given, and now God is interested in looking over. God is interested and invested in his people. And if God has promised something, he's very much interested in protecting his name. Because when God's name is on the line, God is going to stand up for his name. His word and his name are two powerful things that work in tandem together that God is very, very interested in protecting. So let me read this scripture, this passage this morning, uh, starting in 2 Samuel. Then three of the 30 men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, and the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. And one other quick scripture this morning, if you just want to view it this morning, going to the next one, 1 Corinthians nine twenty six. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air. Let us pray. Jesus, I pray that your word, God, will come into our hearts. I thank you for the power of your presence and worship. Thank you for the gathering of your saints. God, let your word, Lord, go on good ground. God, let the roots go down deep. God, may your name be glorified. And God, may you stir us this morning. Stir us, Lord God, to action this morning. For your praise and glory in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to speak to you on I will fight. I will fight. David is a a beloved Bible character, so I don't need to go and rehearse every detail in David's life, right? Because uh, it's been, that ground has been trounced on, and it's still fun to trounce on that ground a little bit. But, so I'll just give you the highlights. David, anointed to be a king when he was a teenager, went on a long journey and got his knocks and earned his marks. And when the God led him and created, out of the shepherd boy, he created a king. You see, that's what I love about David's life. And even though I'm not a physical king this morning, you may not be a physical queen or physical king. There's something awesome about how God can take us from a very low place and change us into something else. It wasn't a title David become, David became a king. David became that. He became to embody that and what that was. And in order to do that, it wasn't a crown that made him a king. It was a process. It was many fights. It was many fears. It was many ups and downs. And it was things that put David off in a battle. But the things that David seemed to love more than anything else in any situation was, is that he loved to depend on God through all those times. He had, he had learned the secret that if you don't know sophisticated words and you don't know a lot of, uh, of things that other people do in order to get the results, what you need to do simply is just cry out to God. I can cry out. If you've got a mouth, you can cry out. If you've got a heart that is in trouble, you can cry out to God. That puts us on level playing field. We can cry out to our Creator. So David evolved into a lot of things. He grew up from a shepherd boy. He was a worshiper. He was a prophet. He was all these things that begin to stir in David's life. And, you know, David needed God in so many ways. And in this battle scene that I'm reading to you, basically what had happened is this. He had just gotten the entire nation of Israel under him. 
in the reading that they had just anointed him king over Judah and Israel. And this is important because that means there was unification. But as soon as things seemed like they were coming together, the Philistine nation heard about David. And David had some history with them. They knew who David was because he had fled there at one time and fleeing from Saul in one of his journeys and tried to survive that madness when Saul was trying to kill him. That he, the Philistines rose up and it says in search of David. So the parallel to this passage is really in a list of the mighty men, but we find this occurrence or this event happening in the life of David right after it's coming together. Can I tell you this morning, if things are coming together, get ready. All right? If things ever feel like they're coming together, it's not going to be the high life you need to get ready for. It needs to be the prepared life, the life that is preparing and being ready for what is about to happen. You see, I am a firm believer of this, and you can call me a little paranoid. I can be sometimes. I think my kids can attest to that a little bit. I can make them laugh, Dad, it's not going to happen. But you see, I personally believe as a Christian, either you're coming out of a fight or you're going into a fight. And if you're catching your breath before you go into your next fight, I just want to encourage you this morning to to understand that you're not being blessed by God and, and, and saved only for the good things. But understand there is an adversarial aspect of your walk with Christ where there is an outside force and sometimes internal forces, ourself, that is rising up to resist sometimes the work of God in us and other times trying to defeat and thwart God's goodness he intends for your life on the outside. God may intend great things for you, but he will, those things can be tripped up sometimes, not by God being hindered, but the enemy is looking and he begins to set up. They set up in the Valley of Rephium. I love this. The Valley of Rephium, Valley of Rephium means the Valley of the Stretched. It meant Valley of Giants. You ever been in a, look down in the valley And you're not just looking at a valley. You're looking at the valley. I'm not going to that valley. I want to get stretched. David was held up in a stronghold in a cave in Adolam. This was a place where he had gathered all of his mighty men, had come to him and learned that they were in trouble and difficulty, and they annexed themselves. They attached themselves to David. Powerful story. You need to read this stuff sometime. Take a moment and read through it. And God was building him before he became. So as he's king now, and these guys go back to those areas, the things they know that work, right? Think places they know that they've been before, that they know is going to work. This is where we're going to get together. We're going to strategize. We're going to do a lot of different things here. But in the meantime, David actually, in this instance, was held up, anointed and held up, called by God and held up, stuck at a standstill. Amen. The hoopla, the parades, amen, the pretty girls dancing, the, the money coming in, the palace, the perks, the, all this stuff going on. All this stuff's happening in, front, in, in David's time. And now, the, of course, as we mentioned, read the Philistines coming. And now David goes down. They go to what's familiar because that's where security is. But now he finds he's stuck. And this Adolam, cave of Adolam was called a stronghold. And I'm not going to go all in depth on stronghold this morning. But I will say this. It's a place of safety. But it's also a place where the, there's, there, is, there is kind of security, safety and security together. So as he's there with his men, things are at a standstill. And he's praying. We find out, you can read about this in 2 Samuel chapter number 5 and verses, I believe it's 18 down through the end of the chapter. And it's basically David is looking at this situation and he's going, he's just kind of looking at the situation and he literally prays to God. He's like, shall I go up? I love this about David. Shall I go up? Well, they're the enemy. Shall I go up? What he's really saying is, are you going to help me with this? 
Are you going to get involved in my fight? Are you going to get involved in the situation? You see, guys, I want to read this to you, and then we're going to hit our first point, and I will move quickly this morning. You see, we know God often is our provider. And even though I don't pronounce it correctly, I'll just pronounce it commonly, Jehovah Jireh, right? We know he is the provider. We know he's Jehovah Rapha. He's God, my healer. These are, these are names, by the way, God revealed. These people didn't make these names up. Somebody got healed. Oh, he's Jehovah Rapha. No, God told them, you do what I say, and I'm going to be your healer. You follow me, and I'm going to provide for you. You follow me, and I will protect you. You follow me, and I will be there for you. Man, I'm going to tell you, sometimes just God at 3 in the morning is so comforting when you're going through difficult times. Maybe you don't see the horizon yet, but God at 3 a.m., just knowing when God shows up in your prayer time, not just God on the wall, Jehovah Jireh with all the names of God on the poster, but God, Jehovah Jireh, the presence of God coming into your living room with your headset on, singing and going wild crazy. I love breaking in on my kids and they break in on me. It's so embarrassing when you're just singing, you're just like getting down, you're just having a good time and the earphones are in your praise. And, you know, you're getting all the, uh, oh, you know. I'll be out in just a minute, you know. It's, it's a little bit embarrassing, right? I, my dance moves are horrible. That's why I don't do it in public. So Jehovah, so he's Jehovah Shalom, my peace. But here's the one. You see, sometimes we, we love God the shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. We know, we know God the peace. Thank God he's my peace. We know God the, the provider. He's met my needs. But sometimes we need the other face of God. We need a different face of God. Moses talked to the people. He wrote a song, and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, they saw different faces of God, God the deliverer. They saw God the provider. He provided water for them. He provided bread for them. He provided victory for them in different ways. But at the Red Sea, and don't worry, I'm not straying away. It's all tying in. In Exodus 15, 3, Moses is writing, and they're singing. In the middle of it, there's this interesting line. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Isaiah would maybe take that thread and run with it a little bit later. And he said this, the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout out loud. He shall prevail against his enemies. Do you have some enemies this morning that you need the Lord, the man of war? to rise up and begin fighting in battles in your life. See, God's not going to go and slap somebody in the head like we would like to do. But God's not going to go necessarily interested in doing some things the way we want to handle it. But God has a way of going to war in a way that takes care of the things in our life that we cannot, no matter how hard, we're stuck in a stronghold. People who are stuck in a stronghold need the Lord to break out, the Lord of war, the Lord of war to break out. You see, people who are in the stronghold this morning are people who go down to the valley and they get stretched and they go back to the stronghold. They come down and they feel that discomfort of my needs aren't being met. And there's stress and and strain in my family and in my marriage. And they feel that pull and they go back to the strong. Because the stronghold is where we feel safe and where we feel secure. And my heart is kind of grieved this morning when I think of how many saints of God this morning. You're protected by God. You're provided by God. You're kept by God, but you're going nowhere. You're stuck in your spiritual state. You are not growing. You are not free. You still sing the songs. The tears still stream. The heart still flutters. Your heart cries out. And like David, you're saying, oh, if I only could drink of the waters of freedom and deliverance. I could taste that refreshing from God where this thing is over and we are singing. We are the champions at the end of it. 
But you know, it's in the middle of this. They're facing this. There's people back and forth the stronghold. In order to get out of your stronghold, you're going to have to get into, go with the first one for me, Glenn, training. You're going to have to go into training if you're going to begin to get out of the stronghold. Because I want to share this with you this morning, and I'm going to go through these a lot faster than you think. God may keep you in the rock, and God may protect you with his feathers and his wings, but God's a fighter. He's going to take you out and face the bully. I want to break it to you in love. He's going to bring you out to face your bully. He won't let you do it alone, but you're going to face him. He's going to let you get stretched. He's going to let you go to the very brink. He's going to let you go to the gate, not because he's cruel, but because God is interested not only in what's happening out here, because you're his kid, and his kid's going to face those bullies. His kid's going to face those adversarial things. They're going to face the fears that are keeping them from taking leaps, steps of faith. He's going to cause you to take moves, make moves that you wouldn't make unless you realize with that confidence that God is going forward. So how do we train? First of all, God looks at us and automatically by reading the new birth, you're a spirit of, you have a spirit of a warrior in you. And you're a spirit, a child of God. The spirit of God is in you. So what does that mean, Tim? When I was uh, a kid. <laughs> Uh, we went on this really cool trip to Arkansas. I have relatives all over the U.S., from Arkansas to Carolina, California. You know, I'm native Californian. Don't hate me. I've said that many times. But we went to, uh, went there, went to uh, Arkansas and saw some, some relatives I hadn't seen for, I don't even know if I remembered when I saw them last. Maybe we were babies and, you know, I don't know. But we get back there and uh, visit family and, and uh, all of a sudden uh, I kind of meet my, one of my cousins and I won't name him. Uh, in case he sees this, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I'll just call him Jim, Jimmy, you know, and uh, Jimmy didn't like me. My cousin, you know, he had his own circle. He had his own thing going on. He did not like me. I met my other cousins. He didn't like me at all. Matter of fact, I think he thought he didn't like me because probably because I was from California, number one, because those Californians are weird, right? And number two, I don't think he liked me because he knew that my dad was a preacher. He thought I was a church boy. And so he was just kind of, you know, harassing me the whole time there. He was just, you know, always poking, always trying to get me to do something, always trying to get a rise out of me. And I was like, hey, what, you know, whatever. I wasn't even really bothered too much by it. And he kept pressing and kept pressing. And, and finally, one day he said, oh, you know what, blah, blah, blah. He just said some insult to me. And I said, you know what? I said, uh, I said uh, shut that door and I'll show you how Christian I can be. And he just kind of looked at me. And just smiled, you know, and whatever. And he just kind of went on and he walked out. Well, one morning, I remember, me and my brother, we stayed in a room in the back of the place where my grandparents were. And, and, Bob, and, and Jimmy showed up and, and he, was out, he was out there and, and uh, we were getting up. We were leaving the room and, and uh, he let my brother go and he blocked me. Just put his leg up and he said, and man, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a peace-loving man. But I said, it's on, man. Actually, I didn't say nothing. The fist started flying. We were flying down the hallway. We were, we were going down. We were duking it out, you know. And, you know, it was a funny thing. He never said or did anything like that ever again. And, you see, when it comes to the spirit inside of you, you may not think you have it in you right now. You may not think it's there. But when things come to block you and hinder you from being who God's called you to be, the addiction that's holding you back, the past that's holding you back, the lust that keeps creeping up and you're afraid you can't really get open with people. You're afraid it's going to get out. I got news for you. The Spirit of God is in you and greater is he that's in you to begin to do battle with that thing. The Spirit. So what is it about this in training? Well, David had been training with this, the Spirit of a fighter, but he had also taught. These guys were skillful. 
Man, there's, there's two kinds of training. There's the kind where you've already kind of been ready, and there's time you're about to get ready. And you know what, saints, what I love about our Heavenly Father is, is if you took the pre, pre-spiritual uh, fight course and you're ready in the Word of God and you've been studying and praying and you're, you're strong in your spirit and you're ready for these things that come against you, even then they're not easy. Even when you're praying and in the Word, it's not easy. So when these things come and, man, we have it, and suddenly we're grabbing our Word, man, and we're just like, we're just, we don't even know what we're doing. And sometimes the reason why some of us get worn out is because it's like what Paul said. I fight not as one who beats the air. Meaning this, I have learned how to get to a place, get in my walk with God, where the word that I'm speaking is tagging the enemy on target. You see, come some people that I can tell aren't in the training, they start going wild. They're the ones that are calling. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with calling pastors and people for prayer at any time of hour. But they're the desperate people. There's difference. People that are calling up saying, please pray. That's, that's awesome. But you can tell the people that hadn't been training. They're, please pray, Lord, why is this happening? And where is God? And let me tell you, you ain't been training. I love you, but you ain't been training. I'm not saying that if you're training, you don't feel fear. I'm not saying if you're not training, you don't feel a little desperate. But what I'm saying is when you're training, the training kicks into gear. Suddenly you forget, whoa, okay, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And the word starts coming back. And the, and the things start coming together. And here's what I love about our God is whether you've been trained or whether you haven't, whether it's happened or it's about to happen, jump in on the training, on the job, one battle at a time. God will lead you into victory. One time, Dieter had a cousin that came down and uh, visited, visited from Oregon, and, and I was wearing this belt buckle. It was just a blank belt buckle, and he said, hey, he said, you come out to Oregon, and we'll fill that buckle in for you, you know? And I was just kind of laughing at him, you know, and he said, we'll take you doing this and doing that. And I was having a good, just good time. He was making me laugh. And uh, I thought, you know what, spiritually, some of us are going to need our belt buckle filled in. We, we keep dodging the fight. We keep hiding the fight. But as you get into training, you get to get the skill in the word of God. You start small. You know what, if you have to start with a Bible study to get the focus on the word of God in your life, start with a Bible study. You've got to start with a promise book so you can go to promises starting out. It's still the Word of God, even if it's a promise book. Take the Word of God and begin to speak the Word of God in those scenarios until you get strong enough on the inside to face the things that are coming at you from without and the things that are battling within. And then there's strategy. There's strategy, togetherness, togetherness. Okay? I love this. Three mighty men. These guys were the baddest dudes in the bunch, but they still went together got to find your battle buddy. You got to find someone that's got your back. You got to find someone you can pray with. You got to find someone who can talk with. You don't have to spill all your deep dark secrets. Please, I don't always, I don't want to know, okay? Unless we have to know, okay? But what I'm saying is, is this, as we begin to pray, and as you begin to pursue this, there is a togetherness, a unity, a unity of togetherness that makes the impact. Now, I'm not talking about clicks, okay? Now, clicks are okay if, if your clicks are battling with you. But some people have a nasty habit of comforting to a fault to where all they're doing is affirming you in your weakness. They're never challenging you to new levels. They're never challenging you to rise up and fight. That's, you know, it's their fault. It's that person's fault. They shouldn't have did this. They shouldn't have done that. And I'm not saying there, is, there aren't faults. But we begin to assign the blame. And we're looking for ways to dismantle and say, if this, I, mean, I just do this and I don't have to fight. I got news for you. You'll be a slave. 
We have to learn to rise up and be fighters. People that don't fight become slaves. Why? They become slaves to mediocrity. They become slaves to their weakness. All of us got weaknesses. There's no man living that will ever live other than Jesus Christ himself that doesn't have weaknesses that God calls us to fight anyway. When we stumble and we fall and we strip and we scrape ourselves up and we get jabbed and stabbed, still, we're learning how to use our armor. We still don't got it all down. Guess what? He still calls us to stand. When we don't know how to, how to deal with this, we've never faced this enemy before. We've never faced this horrible thing. And I'll grieve with you and I'll cry with you. But in the end, I want to put the sword of God back in your hand and say, it's time to fight back. It's time to stand up. It's time to assault the hell that has come against your life. Say, Tim, that's rah-rah. I'm going to tell you, if you believe that, it's because you've been on the sidelines too long. Put your pom-pom downs and pick up the sword. Put the things down and pick up the fighting spirit. Begin to attack that thing that is attacking you. And if it's still too great for you, I got news. That's what togetherness is about. These three men got together. They went, they snuck past the troops. They burrowed through the gates and they got a drink. Now, these are some awesome bad dudes. I'm going to tell you. They got some water and they went out together and brought this water back to David. And it was so important because David, this is another aspect of this in the training is, is sometimes you have to recall your training because you see David as a boy drank from that well and now that well was deprived him. You see, the battle in our Christianity isn't often about just taking new ground, taking new ground, taking new ground. It's, man, it's when that problem came back around our back door and suddenly now we're fighting the devil off the very things that we used to have so freely in our life. Now we used to have self-confidence. Now we're trying to find our confidence. We used, to have, we used to have faith, and man, we're trying to put two sticks together to rub together to find enough faith to start a fire. There's things that are happy, you see, and this togetherness brought these guys together to press on and go on to the next one for us. Toughness. Into a, it takes toughness, spiritual toughness, again, on the job training, to begin to toughen us up to the things of God. You see, he is a loving father. He is a mighty God. He is a great provider, but he's also a mighty warrior. Fear him not this morning. Don't fear God this morning based on him being a warrior. This, you got that warrior in your corner. He's there to, to help fight your battles sometimes for you. But even you'll find in Scripture, when God fought battles for people, people had to show up. Even in Jehoshaphat, we can sing all day about how they sang praises. They showed up. They were going to the front line singing songs. They weren't back in the temple singing worship tunes at the worship concert. They were on the front line going out to meet an adversary that wanted to kill them. And they were singing worship unto God. And God showed up. You see, toughness is not, not always not flinching. Go out with a trembling lip. Go out nervous. Go out with a shaky knee. Go out with tired hands. But if you go out with faith and togetherness, man, God's going to show up. God's going to be there when you need him to be there. Oh, man. You know, I read this story. It's pretty crazy about a guy. He, he, he committed a bank robbery. It's a true story, by the way. You can totally look it up on Google. I only make up the stuff that you don't look up. Okay? But this guy, his name was uh, MacArthur Wheeler. And he robbed a bank. When he robbed the bank, he uh, took, he was, uh, the FBI were studying this tape, and they were just stupefied because this guy robbed the bank. He was in there, moving around, got all the stuff, stopped in the middle of the room and looked at the camera and smiled. Smiled real big. And then he walked up to the camera and he just full face identification. And he just smiled again. And he walked out and they, they were trying to figure out, is he being defiant? Is, you know, is he, what, what's his, why did he do that? That's, 
They couldn't understand why he did it. They had his identification. They identified his name. They knew where he lived. They went straight to his house. When they got to his house and went in, uh, and knocked out the door, he just, they said, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, we're with the FBI, and he just looked at them. And they said, we need to talk to you. He said, okay. They took these pictures out and started throwing them out. Is this, this is you, right? We know it's you. We just want to show you that we saw all your we saw why you were smi- we saw you were smiling. Why were you smiling? And the man was looking at the pictures, and he was just kind of dumbfounded. He couldn't understand why. True story now, okay? And uh, couldn't believe it. He said, huh. He said, how did that happen? He said, what do you mean, how did that happen? He said, I put lemon juice all over me. You weren't supposed to see me. What had happened is he had read somewhere that invisible ink is fundamentally made out of lemon juice. And he believed that he put it on his skin, that he would not be identified. And so, I mean, I'm not telling you, you can't make this stuff up. When it comes to toughness, this doesn't mean either you're a class of this or you're a class of that. No, God will turn you into. God will make us into something that we can't be on our own. But unfortunately, we're rubbing the word of God like lemon juice. I go to church. Enemy can't mess with me. He knows my, I got my seat. I know people at that church. I know people, that pastor, that pastor's a good preacher. I, he's a really good preacher. I like his preaching. I, you know, he can't touch me. You got lemon juice on you. You know, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm in the right place at the right time. It's Lord's Day, 10 o'clock, amen. I'm here, ready to praise God. I'm in the right place. You got, that, that's good. That's good. That's a good place to be. But if that's all that it is, okay, let me make that clear. If that's all that it is, you got lemon juice on. There's been many people thought because they were sitting in a chair, heard enough sermons, sang enough songs that they really liked that part where Caleb really, well, that was awesome this morning, really get into it. And, and God can bless you and God can do that. But if we ever get that mindset, I've got lemon juice, we're putting lemon juice on instead of building spiritual muscle in our life. How do you do that every day? Every day, faithful, faithful, every day, building your fortitude, building your spiritual toughness. Go to the next one for me, Glenn. This is all arcing into triumph this morning. And triumph goes like this. Jesus is the ultimate fighter. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul sheds this little bit light on us. Now, this is what I love. This is to encourage you this morning. If you're saying, I don't want to fight nothing. I don't want, I'm not talking about a fist fight. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? Things the enemy has established that you're never going to cross and you're never going to change. God strengthens you. And through persistent obedience and growth and faith in God, God begins to see those, you begin to see those strongholds come down. And boy, when you see that, you thought your faith was here it begins to rise. Paul says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Whoa, wait a minute. That means when God's leading you, he's leading you to win. He's leading you to triumph. So the temporary defeat you have now, the temporary suffering Paul would talk about in Romans chapter 8, it's temporary. This present suffering isn't forever. He talks about how we're groaning because we're not where we want to be. He talks about how creation itself is groaning because it's not what it used to be. And he talks about this, how the Holy Spirit comes alongside and intercedes for us, praying with us, for us, 
I love this, the Spirit of God groaning for us, knowing what ails you and travailing that that which God wills for you will be accomplished in your life. Man, you've got Jesus interceding, the Father leading you, and the Holy Spirit empowering you. I think your chances are looking really good right now. You may fall down as you've heard it a million times. You may fall down seven, but if you stay on the path of training and on the path of letting God toughen you up, you will find yourself triumphing in Christ. You will find yourself overcoming in Christ. Reading this real quickly this morning. Find your joy in in Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against him, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Jesus is going to teach you how to endure. He's going to teach you how to endure. I shared with Pastor, uh, I used to do a lot further distance running than than I do now. And I remember I was training for this uh, huge distance, um, marathon distance of 26.2 miles. And I remember this time when I was training that I was hitting a wall at 12 miles. And every time I would push, I would push and push, and I was hitting that wall at 12 miles. I just kept, it felt like, and I was starting to, the thought was starting to creep into my head. I don't, maybe, you know, I'm past this kind of race. Maybe I don't, maybe my body can't go here. And I just kept going. And I would keep running. I would do the short. Then I would run. Then I would hit that 12 miles. I was like, man, am I ever going to break through that 12 mile? And finally, one day, I just out of the blue, I can call it out of the blue, I just kept running, just kept running. And one day, I was coming up on that 12-mile mark, and all of a sudden, boop. Go past 12 miles, keep going. Keep going, keep going, 16, keep going. You just keep going, keep training every day. Keep training, keep training, keep training. You keep going, keep building that strength, building this. God is leading us into spiritual triumph. You see, David, the, the, the outcome of this was this, is that the Bible says that God gave him the direction to go. And so when these guys got back with this water presumptively and David would not drink it, he poured it out because in the end, our victory is for him anyway. Amen. We get, we get to all the amenities and blessings of being a child of God, but pour out all the thanks and gratitude onto your heavenly Father for that which God supplies for you. It, if a real battle, if you're fighting right, you'll be closer to God in the end. You won't just say, thanks, thanks God, till I got the next problem, I'll pull out my, my battle kit, you know. No, but you'll be closer to God, more trusting of Him, more confident in Him, than the prior time, even if it challenge looms large again. Because if he brought me through this and this and this, God is able to bring me through whatever it is, whatever's in my body right now, whatever I'm facing in my life right now, whatever I'm up against, and faith being the victory. It says, 1 John 5, 4, for whatever's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. I like uh, a movie that I saw not long, uh, I've seen, uh, it was a kind of a spinoff of the Rocky series. It was, uh, it's called Creed. And the whole thing is about this guy that is the son, the son, illegitimate son of a former champion and how he's trying to find himself. So he's just getting into fights everywhere. He's just, he's just fighting when he's a kid, he's fighting just because he's angry. And when he, gets, when he gets a little bit older, he decides he can at least put the gloves on and do it legitimately and beat people up. So he's fighting, and he's a pretty good fighter until he comes up against 
the difficult ones till he comes up against these things. You see, I want to tell you something. There's also another aspect to this fight thing. Some of us have learned to fight the wrong way. And we know how to argue with our spouse. We know how to chide our kids. We know how to, to put people to be disrespectful. We know how to be hateful. We know how to say, it's just what I'm going through. Not good enough. It's time for us to be men and women of faith in God. We're hum- yes, we're human, and we can falter. And thank God for the grace to give one another and say, I love you anyway. You're going to make it anyway. But man, if that becomes our habit and our practice, we're just going to shout out, say what we feel all the time. It's time to reel that thing in. Because that's the improper fighting. The enemy's running rampant in your life, and you're not getting any ground in your life. You're not, getting, you're not going anywhere spiritually in your life. And here's the thing. There are people that it doesn't matter what you got in the bank, and it doesn't matter what your skill set is. You can be a person losing your battles in your family, in your home, and personally in your life through the issues and things that are battling there because you don't know how to, over, you don't know how to fight correctly. You don't know how to get back under this and submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. James talked about. So Creed is fighting, but he finds out he he gets a little big for his britches and goes up against a contender and he loses. Just in a little, little grudge match thing. But you see, there's this guy he heard about that his dad used to train with by the name of Rocky. And so he goes to see Rocky. And when he does, he's asking him to train him. Why? Because he's just raw. He don't, got, he don't got it together. He's not, he's not going to win if he keeps doing it his way. He's not going to triumph if he keeps doing it his way. And so he's talking to Rocky, and he has to convince him to, to train him, which he does. And the end of the show, the whole time this young man is fighting his identity, he changes his name so the people won't know that he was the son of a former champ because he's so angry at his father. He doesn't want, because his father died young, he never knew his dad. So he's so angry, he wants to distance himself from that. But he keeps training. And by the end of the movie, his words are, I'm proud to be a creed. And you see, you might be angry at God this morning. There might be some anger that's in your heart over some things that maybe battles you thought you should have won. But what you don't know is you don't see the big picture. And it didn't go your way. And there's things that didn't turn out as you had hoped. And you say, man, I've lost this. Man, losing will make you angry. And then it will make you numb if you let it. But you see, you can be angry at your father, but that's counterproductive because you see, in the end, if you'll just come into training, he's going to lead you to triumph. He's going to lead you because when this is over, your testimony is going to be, I have the genes to win. And every child of God that is born of God overcomes the world. That whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. That your DNA says that God has willed for you to overcome your battles. He never said you'd be depressed. He never said you would deal with these problems. He never said you wouldn't go broke sometimes. He just said he would provide your need. He would take care of you. And in the end, you're going to win. And God is invested in the drama of your story. God is invested in him receiving glory. Hit the last one, and that's just where I'm going to pray. Because God's developing a testimony. God's developing something bigger than how you feel today. He's developing something bigger than the, the giants in your path and the things stretching you and the things pulling you in directions. But if you keep beating the air, you're going to keep getting tired. A little to the left. A little to the left. Right. Jab. Whatever it is. God's going to teach you how to fight spiritual battles this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, this morning for 
that you're a mighty God. I thank you that you love us. You never stop being a loving father. You never stop being a giving father. You never start giving and providing peace. But I thank you. You want to lead us out to bring us into who you want us to be and to bring us into the life. Lord, the things that are disturbing peace this morning, the things that, Lord, that are robbing health physically and spiritually this morning. God, I pray that God, that fighter, the the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty, 